0: Attention listeners, do you ever find yourself struggling to decide what to watch on a Saturday night when you're in the mood for horror? Or perhaps you're trying to round out your own horror film education. In either case, I'm sure you'll be able to make some great discoveries in my 10 x 10 horror watch list featuring a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors. We did a deep dive of the favorite horror movies from directors including Guillermo del Toro, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn, Rob Zombie, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more. Here you'll find a collection of each director's favorite horror movies, along with quotes about what they appreciated about the films, all in an easy-to-reference PDF that you can download absolutely free. Featuring a mix of well-worn classics and deep cuts, hopefully you'll discover some overlooked gems and look at old classics through new lenses. Download the 10x10 Horror Watch list for free by visiting nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. One last thing before we begin, and this is my email newsletter, The Howl. The Howl is a monthly rundown of the latest horror news along with my hand-picked movie recommendations, updates from the show, and cool stuff I've recently discovered, all in one quick read email delivered to your inbox only once a month. Easy to read, easy to sign up for, and easy to cancel. Join the Howl newsletter by visiting nicktaylor.com slash theHowl. That's nicktaylor.com slash the Howl. Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. As always, each episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show explores how today's horror filmmakers are getting their movies made while deconstructing their methods and career strategies into practical insights that you can use on your own horror filmmaking journey. This includes creative processes, funding resources, favorite books and tools, key life lessons, and much, much more. John Truby is a widely known name in the realms of screenwriting and storytelling, having shaped the narratives of over a thousand film scripts as a consultant. John is also the author of multiple books, including Anatomy of Story, 22 Steps to Becoming a Master Storyteller, and his latest release, The Anatomy of Genres, How Story Forms Explain the Way the World Works, which delves into the core elements that shape various genres with a big focus on horror. On top of being an acclaimed author, John is also a lecturer and course creator with online courses that meticulously analyze multiple genres, and I can say with experience that his horror fantasy sci-fi class is truly excellent. In today's conversation, we'll be dissecting the horror genre, from its structural elements to its primal effects on human beings, we'll also explore common mistakes in horror scripts, and discuss how writers can keep their horror narratives fresh and riveting. This interview is packed with a lot of insights, and we've essentially designed it to be a tight 30-minute segment that can be easily revisited whenever you're about to start a new horror project. So I hope you enjoy it, I hope you get a lot out of it, and I hope you use it. Without further ado, please welcome John Truby. John Truby. Great to finally meet you. I've, uh, I've been a fan for a while. As I mentioned before we started recording, I, I bought your horror lecture package off of your website a few years back. And uh, it's been extremely helpful for, you know, we horror fans think of horror in terms of scares and thrills and things like that. But um, I feel like your work really brings a level of depth in understanding fear, understanding what crafts the element of craft when it comes to creating a horror story that's effective and scary and, uh, overall just a huge fan of your work and really psyched that you're here. So thank you.
1: Well, Nick, it's a pleasure to be here. I love the work that you do in this, in this genre. I consider it the most underappreciated of all genres and the fact that you are bringing clarity to it and showing just how powerful it can be, I think is a real service. Well, thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that that could
0: kick us off into an interesting direction. I feel like in the past few years, horror has kind of been validated as more of an important genre. Um, I mean, to me and a lot of people, it is the most confrontational genre, and it it will confront actual fears and anxieties and social issues, probably more... Powerfully than than any other genre, and I feel like it's just recently that people started understanding that and you know appreciating it. And and we see movies like Get Out are getting nominated for Best Picture and Best Screenplay. I mean, I think horror's renaissance it never really went away, but I feel like now people are just really understanding like this is this is not just a gutter genre. You know, there's there's real substance here.
1: Well, I, I think you put your finger on it, which is that horror in its base form is a very simple form and it's a very reactive form in the sense that the monster attacks the victim tries to escape and if you are writing and directing a a horror story on that level it is not going to get a lot of uh, appreciation it's not going to get a lot of respect but In the last few years, I think you're absolutely right that we've seen writers who are seeing the true potential of horror. And what I've found to be in writing my book, uh, The Anatomy of Genres, I, I have it as the first genre.
0: Right.
1: I have it as the primal genre because it is so fundamental and so foundational to us as human beings. And then the, the question is, as the writer, can you build on that? Mm-hmm. Can you do something more than just the requirements that every other writer is doing and show the real power of the form? Uh, because it is, it is about how do we confront death? And there is no larger existential question than that. So you're absolutely right. It is as confrontational as it gets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like that's a really good term for it is primal, because when you watch horror movies, or at least when I watch horror movies, for me, it's very much a dopamine rush watching these movies. And I'll hear non-horror fans saying, how can you watch all that blood and gore? Isn't it disturbing? Uh, for me, I find it thrilling because, I mean, as, as a lot of people have talked about it, it allows you to confront death in the comfort of your own home. It's like it is a roller coaster in the same regard. Um, but I, I have also read that horror fans tend to be more resilient people emotionally and intellectually, which I think is interesting. But, yeah, I was going to ask about why you started the book with the horror genre, but I feel like you just you just got to it in terms of primal and how humans, we have to remember that we are biological creatures and we're wired for things that are primal. And I think as far as the genres are concerned, nothing is more primal than horror. And I,
1: well, yeah, and, and that, that's both a strength and a weakness because the strength is that it is so sensual it is so confrontational it is so physical in terms of actually watching the film that we can as artists as creators just rely on that right. just that that's going to get me 90% of the way there so i'm fine with that uh, but what they do then is, if, if they just keep it at that sensual level, then they are missing the true thematic power of this form. And what most writers don't realize in all the genres is that the real power of the form doesn't come in the basic plot beats that you get in a particular genre. That's why the, the reader or viewer first comes to that form mm-hmm. but what keeps them coming back is the deeper theme because this is something i talk about extensively in the book in every chapter first chapter is about the plot beats that go into that form that make it a that particular form mm-hmm. and if you don't have those plot beats then your viewers are not going to like it they're going to say hey where's where's the attack of the monster here right. you know if, if we don't have that then we don't have a horror story so but the the point is the second half of the chapter is about the deeper theme because each one of these genres carries and expresses a life philosophy for how to live successfully
0: mm-hmm.
1: now horror does it in the most negative way possible the ultimate cautionary tale right but if if writers of horror stories are not getting into that deeper theme, that deeper life philosophy, they're missing out on what really brings the viewer back time and again, because it's that life philosophy that is that, that, that matches with their own personal view of how they want to live. And it goes to the point that you just made about so resilient. Mm-hmm. the the viewer of the horror story is confronting themselves they're purposely putting themselves in a situation where they have to confront death and they're going to come out on the okay on the other side and so it totally makes sense that that would be the case for people who love horror stories
0: yeah and i think the fascinating thing about that is that You were emphasizing that if there isn't a real life philosophy underneath the surface of the plot, people are going to tune out, which strongly indicates as humans, we are yearning for instruction on how to live our lives. We're seeking it in entertainment, even if we don't realize it. I feel like subconsciously, if a movie does not... Give us that substance, then we just, something's off and we don't like it. Yeah, we enjoy the Saw movies and, you know, mm. <laughs> movies that are just blood for the sake of blood. But we always know when there's substance there. But as humans, yeah. I mean, that's why they say storytelling is, is the most effective way to get points across to us is because yes. we're wired for storytelling. Because we're yearning for instruction on how to live, how to be. And, uh, and, and horror is and, no and different.
1: Right. And right there is another one of the challenges for the writer of the horror story, which is you need to express that deeper life philosophy, but you don't want to do it in an over-the-top, known as on-the-nose sort of way where you're preaching to the audience. But if you can get that information about what the horror story is really about and what your horror story is really about without being on the nose about it, you, the, the effect is unmatched. And and you raised raise at the beginning the perfect example, which is Get Out, which mm-hmm. has as much theme, as powerful theme as you're gonna see in any film. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, there's so many good examples of it. I mean, nobody likes the term elevated horror, but more and more I think people are attempting to imbue horror with a lot more thought and substance. And uh, yeah. movies like Hereditary, I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but yep. all about, Dealing with familial trauma or, or generational trauma, um, there's something at the heart of these movies that I think people palpably are, are really starting to to realize that is uh, that this this genre just really really matters because I think it also offers catharsis for people as well in addition to sure. confronting things. Yeah, which Absolutely. I think is is definitely interesting. Um, I'd love to talk about the concept of fear. Um, how do you feel? writers can effectively craft fear Uh, from, from my understanding, it it has a lot to do with building your characters. If the viewer or reader doesn't care about the characters, they're probably not going to be scared for them. And there's an element of living vicariously. Um, But uh, beyond that, or in addition to that, what do you think are the keys to crafting effective fear?
1: Well, clearly that is a central question in horror because, uh, many of the genres have as their foundation, a central emotion. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in, in horror, it is fear. Yeah, And so the question is, how do you express that most effectively to an audience? Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that you begin with how you set up the character. And in my book, I talk about, and this goes back to my previous book, The Anatomy of Story, which It goes back to the seven major structure steps that are found in any good story, regardless of genre. The first of these is the weakness need. It is, what is that internal flaw Mm -hmm. that the character comes into the story with? That's what we're really solving for in any story. And so what happens in horror is that we set up a character who is broken in certain ways. Um, the, in fact, in in the best horror stories, there is the character, the main character has a tremendous duality in their mind. That is, they are right on the edge between breaking in two Mm. and they're often typically filled with guilt and shame about something that has already happened. And this goes back to the event the, and this is another important story beat in any genre, mm-hmm. but even before the weakness need is the ghost of the character. This is the event from the past haunting the hero in the present. Right. And in, in horror stories, the ghost is the most important beat in the whole story. Yeah. And it, it happens even before we see it on page one. And that's because typically in horror, there are sins, that have been committed in the past that have never been paid for Mm -hmm. and they must be paid for. And also that ghost is typically so severe, that event is so severe, so traumatic that it has broken the mind of the hero in some way. So they're right on the edge. And then we bring in the opponent. And so what I'm basically describing here are story beats, plot beats that involve tracking the hero's character change. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about how do we create fear, we always have to talk about character and plot together because they're Mm -hmm. married to each other. We we really we separate them because we've got two very different words for them. But really character only exists as it takes action through plot. Mm -hmm. And so these that's what these various plot beats in in horror do They're plot beats designed to create fear in the audience, by what we have the audience identify with the hero and see that hero do. Yeah. And so by starting with the hero in this very vulnerable place in the mind, then we we start putting pressure on that. We mm. add pressure. And the opponent in the best horror stories isn't just some outside alien or some monster or Jason, the guy wearing the ski mask and, and, and uh, uh, the hockey mask and so on. No, the, the best monster in a horror story is the hero's internal fear made physical and turned into a character who mm. then attacks the hero relentlessly. So what, and this is why horror creates more pressure on the hero than any other genre. And that pressure is one of terror, Yeah, which is because you're getting attacked from the outside. With the monster you're getting attacked from the inside which is that broken mind that's based on the ghost that has never been dealt with
0: wow so that is the definition of hell basically being attacked from inside and outside yes
1: it is and typically we will have also we will put the character in a haunted house and what is the haunted house really haunted house is the hero's great fear turned into a building and then we make him live there and get attacked from various parts of that building Relentlessly, we just don't let up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember reading; it made me laugh in your book when you said that in horror stories the hero is given the is is attacked more relentlessly than any other genre. And I was like, "Yep, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> that sounds yep. about right." Yep. Yeah, but it's fascinating that the monster or the villain is an external manifestation of the biggest, deepest fears, insecurities, or past sins of the character, which makes a lot of sense when you when you look at it yes and, yeah and, and, it,
1: and this is one of the ways that that horror is so underestimated because people don't realize how symbolic it is these symbols mean something mm-hmm. and they have great power on the audience and so when you use these symbols effectively as i talk about in the book in terms of how you properly sequence these various plot beats it is incredibly powerful, and there is nothing that hits hard, harder on the audience more than the horror form.
0: Yeah. No, it's abs- it's absolutely true. And the interesting thing about after reading your work is going back and watching these classic horror movies, and then you start to see the formula. It's like seeing the fabric of the matrix. You're like, oh, it's Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, the past sin is that they, the real estate development built everything yeah. on on all this land. And Craig T. Nelson was in the middle of a deal with them. And yeah, it's gotcha. just like you see it's all right there. But it's somehow all right they there. all still feel new and different, which <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Once like yeah. Even with things like Hero's Journey, once you know these formulas, you see them everywhere. But it almost, it's just for, I mean, I'm curious about your thoughts about this. But somehow, even though you know that it's certain cases, there is a formula that's happening there. It doesn't matter, you know, to the viewer. It doesn't matter to me, even though I know. And I feel like that's a testament to writers who were able to take the formula, but still twist it and do something new and different with it.
1: Well, you've just, you've just put your finger on what I think is the single most important point in my book, which is if you just do the beats the way everybody else has done them for decades and sometimes centuries— then you're in the ballpark. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're you're writing a horror story, but you are not going to separate yourself from the crowd. Right? The question in modern storytelling, which is so competitive, where millions of people around the world are writing these stories? How do you stand out? Yeah, the only way that you stand out is do what I talk about in the book in every genre, which is to transcend the genre. Mm -hmm. And that there, there's very specific technical definition for that. In other words, it, you, it's not just, I'd like to do this in kind of a different way than I've done before. Yeah, that is what you're gonna do, but specifically, how do you do that? Well, there's 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 different ways to do it. One is that you take the sequence of the beats and you do them in a different order. Interesting. And because because the audience, as, as you say, they're very familiar with it they may not consciously know oh the next beat is going to be such and such a beat right you know because i've seen that a thousand times no but they know what the next beat is going to be Mm -hmm. so they have a set of expectations but if you can then change the order of those beats then you short circuit their expectations and they go whoa i've never seen that before right another way that you do it is you execute the beat the individual beat in a different way than they've seen before. Mm. And that, that does, has the same effect of, Oh, you're giving me my beat. And I love that. That's why I'm here, but you're doing it in a way I've never seen before. And it's, it's the effect of what I call having your cake and eating it too. Mm. I get the structure that I love, but I also get it done in a new way. Having said that the most important way by far to transcend the horror genre, is to know what that deeper theme what that deeper philosophy is, and use the plot sequence to express that theme. And, uh, again, get out is the perfect example of that, in terms of using the basic beats of horror to tell a story of racism. Uh, and, and the, the, you know, I talked about the the ghost, mm-hmm. of the character at the beginning, well, Get Out is based on the ghost of America. Right. It's the ghost of racism. It's the ghost of slavery, and what we affect, what what this guy has effectively done is creates a modern day plantation. Yeah. I mean, it was just brilliant, mm-hmm. and but that's what I mean about if you do it, if you express that deep theme, which is which is unique to his horror story, but you do it through the plot beats of the story then the effect is incredible. And Mm. everybody says, oh, my God, this is a work of genius. gets nominated for, for Best Picture. As well it should. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. Those are the things that you have to do to stand above the crowd, which is especially hard to do in horror because it is such a predictable form.
0: Right. And I feel like you, you touched on a really interesting point that in order to serve the genre, you have to transcend the genre in order to do something different. To me, that yes. reminds me of the phrase, you need to know the rules in order to break the rules. Um, and
1: it's a great, let me, let me stop you right there, please. because I love that line. I love that line because it's, it's close, but it's not right. Everybody, every, every writer knows that line. Right? Yeah. You have to know the rules to break the rules. It's, it's actually, you have to know the rules to bend the rules. Mm. In other words, there are certain rules, the, re- the reason that the beats in a particular genre are there is because they work. Right. They've been figured out over hundreds of years. Yeah. Right? We've had the horror story since, well, I talk about it in the book about, Adam and Eve is the first horror story. Yeah. So we've had it for a long time. Yeah. But in terms of its modern form, it's been around since about the, the mid 1700s. Yep. That's a long time. Now, what have they been doing in all that time? What they've been doing is they've been perfecting the most dramatic way to create fear in the audience. Mm. And they're, they, the horror form is really good at that. Yeah, right. So you don't wanna throw away those quote rules. Those are really useful. But what you wanna do is take those rules and then play with them bend them twist them in a way that nobody's ever seen before and if you can do that then you are standing alone on top of the mountain
0: yeah how do you know that you're bending and not breaking i feel like it's a very tricky tightrope balance that yes. a lot of people strive for but it's hard yes. to do so what are the keys it's hard to, that? to
1: do it's hard the trick is you you break it if one of the beats is not present Mm, And and a a good example I I like to use is in the love story. If you have a love story without the first kiss, you don't have a love story, right? Mm. It's just by virtue of that beat is, if that beat is gone, it's not a love story. If you you don't have the first dance in the love story, it's not a love story. And the viewers will see that and they will immediately say, I'm out.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you've got to have the beats. But again, that just gets you in the ballpark. Right? So you have to hit all the beats, but what you need to do is either execute them in a unique way we've never seen, do them in a different order. And most importantly, use those beats to pull out a unique theme that you want to express about how to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's where a lot of people get it wrong is there's no philosophy under it. Um, I think the other, the other really interesting thing you point to in your book is the importance of combining genres in order mm-hmm. to keep work interesting and fresh and different. Um, what are some of the keys to doing that effectively? Because I feel like in certain cases, if you have two different genres that you're attempting to mix together, the beats can conflict. And is it just a matter of developing instinct to see if certain beats can be mixed and matched? Like if you're doing a horror comedy or a, a horror love story or horror adventure, um, how, how can you be a good genre alchemist for lack of a better term?
1: Right. Well, it, it is a great question and it's the central question for writers working today in any, in any genre. The, the business today demands that you don't just write one genre in mm-hmm. your story that it needs to be a combination two three or four genres and the it's a, it's based on the old marketing idea of you've got to give them two for the price of one yeah and the reason is that there, there's so many stories that are told in so in in all the different mediums hundreds thousands that people have seen they're very smart as far as story now that but you still only have in film, you've got two hours maximum, that's yeah. it, right? And so how do you give the audience more? Well, what you do is you combine genres because then you take, every genre has 15 to 20 plot beats. Well, if you combine three, you've got 45 to 60 plot beats in the same frame. Mm. That is a tremendous advantage to the audience. They love that. And it gives them plot density. So but but you've also raised the key issue, which is it's easy to say it's hard to do. Right. Because if you don't know what you're doing and you mix three genres, you end up with story chaos. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you got too many heroes, you got too many opponents, you got too many plot beats to string together in a way that is properly sequenced. Uh, you've got, you've got too many conflicting themes and so on and so forth. And some genres don't like to be together, (laughs) right? That's why we don't see them together. Right. So, um, and, and so if you don't know what those are and you don't know why they don't like to be together, meaning that a beat in one genre will be in direct opposition to that same beat in another genre. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you don't know what you're doing then you run into a massive problem. And so there are a lot of tricks that that writers need to know in order to mix genres effectively. But but let me give you the most important, which is when you mix genres, determine what is my primary form. Mm. That's going to give you the foundation of the entire story. Okay. That gives you your main character, the desire line, In other words, what they want in the story, their goal in the story, which gives you the spine of the story. It gives you the main plot beats that must be present. And it gives you the main theme that you're going to express and that you're going to twist in some way that expresses your unique story. Mm. Once you've got that foundation, then you bring in the other plot beats from the other genres only where they work only when they support the plot beats of the main genre. If they're in conflict or if they don't support your unique story, don't use them because the only ones you have to have are the plot beats from the primary form. Now, when determining what the primary form can is, can be difficult. But I will say that in in, almost as far as I can think of, any time you mix horror with any other form horror will be the primary form yep it's so it's so foundational and it's and and its plot beats are so tight yeah that that's almost always other genres like love story and comedy they're much looser forms mm-hmm. so when you're combining love say to horror or comedy to horror horror will be your primary form and you'll lay comedy on top of that
0: yeah So there has to be a primary genre, basically. Yes. And that's your primary form. And then everything else builds around that. Exactly. As long as it's complementary. Yeah. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think one of the the most interesting elements of the horror chapter of your book is all these things that we typically don't think about when it comes to horror. Or that we probably should, but it's Mm -hmm. all beneath the surface. Like understanding the de-evolution of man. Like that is the foundation of a lot of horror movies. Set a man evolving, which we're supposed to do, which is nature and evolution it's the opposite of that which is you know indicative of hell the devil destruction you know whatever um from that perspective are there any any recommended either books or readings that are that may not be as obvious that people should understand in order to really master the horror genre perhaps works of mythology or psychology or anything along those lines because i feel like there's a there's a big understanding of humanity at the core of really effectively done horror and you get into it a lot in your book are there any recommended readings that are you know beyond literature the
1: the, your, your point about psychology i think is very important because it is so foundational in terms of I mentioned you know it, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a sidetrack, but I'll, I'll bring it in to what you what you just asked, which is the, the 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 person that the writer who is responsible really for modern horror, modern psychological horror, and and the detective form, is Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. This guy is massive and, and totally underappreciated in terms of the history of story. Um, to to basically invent two different forms like that. At two of them, the, the primary forms in modern storytelling is phenomenal achievement. Yeah. Now, it's made even more phenomenal when you realize that in certain ways, uh, horror and detective are opposites. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at below the surface, and I talk about this in the beginning of the horror chapter, when you talk about them under the surface, it makes complete sense that Poe would do this because they're both about the mind. hmm the detective story is about the mind at its best. Horror story is about the mind at its worst. Mm. Detective is about the brilliant mind. And horror is about the broken mind. The mind that's close to madness. And so the the this element of psychology that's so crucial, and of course crucial to its really one of the definitions of modern horror is to go from the supernatural to the psychological. Mm-hmm. And the and who is the great master of that? And one of the great writers, Stephen King. Yeah, um, he's taken he's taking, he, he certainly has supernatural elements. But the key to his success, in my opinion, is that he's taking the beats of horror, and he's applying them to the average person in a family, and then showing the effects of what, and you you gave the example of heredity. That's a perfect example of it, where the foundation of the horror is the psychological problem of the main characters. Mm-hmm. In that particular case, grief and yep. guilt. And I talk about in the in the horror chapter when I'm talking about setting up that weakness need of the character, mm-hmm. that shame and guilt are fundamental to horror. Shame and guilt are fundamental to a lot of major genres, but especially horror. And so any any book that you can look at that increases your understanding of these two primary ways that the mind attacks itself. Mm. Shame and guilt are how the mind attacks itself within a social world. And so if you can understand those, those two emotions especially, you will be a much better horror writer. Now, having said that, I would also turn the attention of your listeners to the second half of the chapter on horror where I get into transcending the form because that's where I talk about the two main genres that you combine horror with when you want to transcend the form. And that is, first of all, combining horror with myth And it gives us the religion story Mm -hmm. and then combining horror with science fiction, which is one of the most, if not the most important story form in modern stories today. Yeah. Uh, And the, when you combine horror with, with uh, science fiction, what you're doing is you're combining a form that puts more emphasis on the psychology of the character than any other form. You're combining it with science fiction, which is all about creating a society, whether for good or for bad, mm. and that's why these combination of uh, of horror and science fiction films like Ex Machina, yeah, um, that they're that are based on the original, which is Frankenstein, to this day one of the most important. It's the the most important for the speculative fiction form. Yeah. Um, and that, by the way, speculative fiction includes horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Frankenstein is it. It is again. It is one of the giants. In it, it basically made all these other stories possible. But it is a combination of horror and science fiction. And if you want to, if you want to study how to transcend horror by making it as big as possible, look at Frankenstein and look at that the part of my book where I talk about it because it is the foundation of every other work of of art, every other story that tries to be that ambitious in those forms.
0: I think I read that the first movie ever created was a version of Frankenstein. They were trying to do Frankenstein. It just, it's, I think it speaks to. Um, there's like a really old silent version of Frankenstein that I think has You're not. You're
1: probably right. It. I haven't heard that story, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. And of course, they've they've made it and remade it a hundred times mm-hmm. because it is it is so foundational.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the original Shelley book is so incredible. I reread yeah. it every once in a while. it's so just beautifully yeah. written. Yeah
1: yeah and talk about talk about expressing a deep you know the the, the film gets to one-tenth of what is in that book yeah um the original Boris Karloff uh film um the philosophy it is natural philosophy expressed in in this fictional form Mary Shelley again uh, I think I, I don't know if it's possible to say she's underrated underappreciated but but I don't know how you could appreciate her enough because that's how powerful what she did in Frankenstein Man, is. And I
0: believe she was 19 when she wrote yeah. it. Yeah. My God, what was in the water Amazing. back then?
1: <laughs> yeah, really.
0: <laughs> um, I know the, the book f- came out fairly recently, so I'm sure you've been extremely busy uh, and haven't been able to get out to the movies a lot. But uh, have you seen anything recently in the horror genre that really caught your eye in terms of basically getting the formula right or just being good effective horror
1: not that recently because as you you put your finger on I have not gotten since covid have not really gotten out to the theater at all um and you know partly that's because I'm seeing so much great stuff on television yeah. that you know it's it's I'm not motivated that much as much as I used to be but but I go back to, you know, the, these are two, three years old now. Um, but things like uh, you know, get out, which absolutely blew me away, and Shape of Water. Um yeah. these are these are these are taking art to a different level. And you can see when when writers have done that, the the response from the the worldwide response was just massive. Yeah. That's 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 how great these things can be. Um, when you really trying to, when you love the form and then you love it so much that you're taking it in a direction where it's never been, been done before, people love it.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like that is a perfect place to end. John, this was really a treat. i a uh, big admirer of you and your work. So thank you so much. I'm definitely gonna listen to this episode every time I begin a new writing project. So thank you for right. your insights today. We'd love to have you back on later down the line.
1: Appreciate it. It's been a blast. I love talking story with you and uh, all the best to you going forward. Thank you. All right.
0: So, John is clearly the real deal when it comes to understanding genre, and I would put his work alongside Save the Cat and On Writing by Stephen King when it comes to your essential intake materials as anybody working in horror. I recommend getting his new book and downloading his horror sci-fi fantasy course to get the most out of his teachings. To get your hands on John's new book, The Anatomy of Genres, which I just recommended, head over to anatomyofgenres.com and to get the courses and to learn more about his work and his other story courses and story software, visit truby.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. And on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Hey guys, one last thing before you head off, and this is The Howl. How would you like a monthly newsletter featuring a recap of the latest horror news, my personal movie recommendations, updates from the show, and cool stuff I've recently discovered? If this sounds like something you'd enjoy, sign up for my monthly email newsletter, The Howl, today. You can sign up for The Howl by visiting nicktaylor.com slash thehowl. That's nicktaylor.com slash thehowl.